0: Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. So, today we're going to the area of Chicago, Illinois, in the U.S., to talk to Robert Kingett, who's an author, a writer, and does an awful lot of things, and we'll find out a little more as we go along. So Robert, tell us about your academic
1: background. Where did you go to school? Sure. So, um, so primary school, I, I was born in New York, but I grew up in Florida, um, and which that led me to the Boarding school, f- the Florida school f- for the deaf and the blind. So my primary schooling, I went to a boarding school f- for the blind. And then uh, my college years, I actually um, I went to uh, two colleges, actually. I went to... Um, the Tallahassee Community College, and but um, but I uh, I dropped out of that, and then when I went to Chicago, um, I went to Community College here in Chicago, but I I uh, dropped out of that as well, and just kind of wished Straight into a career, so yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, so let's talk about your uh, working experience. Where where did you
1: work? I uh, so I um <clears throat> so when I first uh got into college um, here in Chicago, I was really really keen on getting more experience rather than. A degree um, because I knew th- that I wanted to do s- something with communications or writing or s- something within the publishing uh, kind of industry, uh, but I w- wanted. To be a writer before pretty much anything else. So, uh, so when I was in college um, here in Chicago, I was very keen on on also getting work experience because I thought that uh, journalism you could learn a lot from journalism, more so by actively doing the journalism rather than learning about techniques and everything in class. So with that goal, um, while I was still in college, um, I looked for... For places and things uh, around Chicago that would accept uh, my uh, pitches and my articles and everything. And th- the key for me was to try to tackle smaller papers because I knew that I would have less competition if I went to smaller papers and smaller papers would have editors that could teach me more things than a larger paper. So I applied to, um, quite a bit of small papers around Chicago, um, quite of them aren't around anymore, but a few of them still are at the time of this recording, like the Chicago North inside paper, uh, that is still around um the gazette uh chicago is still around so i gained a lot of experience um um what um what older journalists would call uh field reporting so i did a lot of field reporting um and that also served as my education and experience so once i had enough experience out in the field uh, doing a bunch of stories and everything. I also realized that I just couldn't keep up the finances of college anymore. So struggling to do that plus, uh, paying for college. I thought that the best way for me to go on this path was to continue with my, uh, work experience and drop out of the, uh, college I was attending at the time because I just couldn't afford it. Even with the grants and everything. Okay.
0: So now you do books. You do yes. articles, so tell us about that.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, so it's um it's kind of interesting how ah uh, how I shifted from doing uh, journalism to doing uh, fiction and non fiction books. So even when I was a journalist, I really liked um, human interest s- stories. I thought that human interest s- stories were, were a v- very nice gateway in to talking about larger issues, uh, like inequality and things like that. Um. So when I was a journalist I did a lot of human interest stories I did a few um regular um news articles that were basically things like uh crime and uh, neighborhood news and things like that, but I still gravitated to human interest stories. Um, so I was a reader ever since I could remember. My grandparents really, really, really instilled a love of literature in me, and they nourished it. Um, so that continued into my adulthood. Um, so while I w- was doing um, human interest stories, I realized um, that the editors' uh, They were holding me back in a way. So I thought that, well, in order for me to really tell the stories I want to tell, I think I should go to fiction because fiction, it it seems to have a lot less limits to it but it also has um, it has a certain truth element to it. Uh, there's a little piece of the world I- I- in fiction that you don't necessarily see in nonfiction or memoirs. So I just really gravitated to... Uh, fiction. So I started out by writing a few short stories to sort of get practice, and I s- sold quite a few, but then I just really liked. Uh, the process, so I continued to write fiction and non-fiction, and so that led me to just uh, practicing a lot of craft on longer work, and so that's how I got into doing all kinds of books. Okay.
0: Robert, so let's talk about your challenges, both uh, physical and mental.
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, so challenges, I, oh, I, you were going to say something? No, it's okay. Go ahead. Okay. So I am, so I am physically disabled. So that means, so I have a cerebral palsy, which is a nerve disorder in the brain. So basically my nerves, system isn't really sending all the proper kind of signals to the body. So that could make your joints, uh, either really tight or, um, it could also have the effect of, of sending a lot of signals to the body. And this is why um, some people with cerebral palsy have uh, spasms. But I don't have um, that kind of cerebral palsy. Mine is where the muscles are really tight. So... It's very difficult for me to walk uh, long distances. It's very difficult for me to to really explore the world physically. So that's also why I gravitate to literature, because it allows me to explore w- worlds and things from the comfort of my home um, so um, but in addition to these cerebral palsy I'm also totally blind so I write um, so I write on a, a computer, uh, pretty much just like others in the early 21st century. (laughs) Um, But contrary to popular belief, a lot of people think that because I am blind in things, that I rely on speech recognition uh, software. Um, That wouldn't work for me because I do have a speech impediment. So what people are getting mixed up is uh, the screen reader, which is a program that, uh, that takes a user I- interface and translates it into navigable uh, commands on the keyboard. So so we would hear um things that you could look at and gauge, but a screen reader also outputs Braille. So when I read documents and things, I usually read them with a Braille would display. Um, but if I'm in a hurry or something, uh, I would just use speech and l- listen, uh, to the document and things. So w- w- when I r- write, I don't use dictation for obvious reasons, Uh, but I do use a word processor just like um, you. Uh, The troubles come from uh, scenarios where, uh, where it comes time for publication and we have to talk about Covers and and the, the f- formatting of the book and things. So all these visual things are a challenge, but I get through them. So yay!
0: <laughs> and and you have people that help you, and that's the important thing.
1: Yes, definitely.
0: So Robert, it sounds to me like. You have learned, you become street smart, and you have applied that street smart to overcome your disabilities. And that's what's really made it a difference. So going forward, what do you see doing differently three years from today?
1: Hmm. Uh, Doing differently... Three years from today, um, I would say, I don't think I would really do that much of anything differently than now, except maybe, uh, maybe try and to get hit, hit into a more, uh, f- fluid writing routine because I tend to write when the mood strikes. So maybe three years from now, I will have a solid uh, routine. Okay. Well,
0: look, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, you're doing... Terrific stuff. I've had a chance to look at your website. And uh, you are encouraging people to join your street group. That's terrific. So thank you for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me.